Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome to Motivation with a Purpose once again every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time from the great Pacific Northwest. I'm Rich Hallstrom and once again by my side, my co-host Zeke Bambolo. And once again, Zeke, we seek to inspire people to live and work with purpose right here on Motivation with a Purpose. How are you doing, my friend? It's a sunny day. It's a lovely day. You just emphasize in the Pacific Northwest, and I do not have an ounce of complaint. Uh, things happen, but we are moving forward, and it's, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to, to today. I'm looking forward to our conversation as well, that guest. Um, I think I'm just, you know what, I'm just going to flow with you today. That sounds good, Zeke, because this is a subject that uh, I will admit I have not debated the subject of gun control, gun violence. What do you do about all that very often? And I find it to be a very polarizing topic. And I, and I wonder if that's part of the reason why we haven't been able to, at least in my perspective, to have an intelligent discussion without it becoming a uh, shouting match and a a detrimental discussion in the sense of uh, name calling and demonizing uh, either side or either point of view. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Zeke? As we get going this morning. Yeah, that's 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 great. I mean, I don't think we are afraid of the polarization that this the topic brings up here and there but uh, I think we, however what our guests will find and what we will find from each other as with this show developed with, with our, uh, our audience as well is that we are probably going to attack this topic from a variety of different uh, a unique a couple of unique angles maybe more and uh, and so I have my experience of what my life has given me and seeing the difficulties of going through um, just a, a, a lawless society. And, and I hope I can shed some light on that as we go along with our guests as well and see what his angle is on this whole topic. But I, I think it's certainly one that is a very polarizing or not. Uh, I'm not afraid of that fact, but it is something that has its unique, its unique questions of why should people feel like there's a need for bearing arms or not. And so I uh, Man, I, I'm looking forward to having a conversation and just kind of sharing some light here, my experiences here, and your thoughts here. Mr. Uh, our guest uh, shared his life, his professional view on the topic, and I think we're going to generate a good conversation at the end of the day. Well, I think it does uh, it does bring up more questions than answers right now in our society, uh, mm -hmm. considering the recent Zimmerman verdict and uh, mm -hmm. the Sandy Hook incident and uh, several other things. That are going on. That are going on. Yeah, and yeah. I think no, no you doubt. Know, I think no, no doubt. I mean, there, there's, 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 there has been for many uh, years a very long time, especially in, in in recent years though. I mean, but but a very long time in terms of months and weeks and days. There has been a, a lot of discussion going on on this topic, and people certainly have a sense of fear from a variety of different reasons. And while they may not really understand the importance of, of, of the 
the right to bear arms per se whether you're talking from the from the uh the, the amendment's rights or you're talking about just your own private rights or whatever cause that you have it's it's a very touchy subject because it covers a, a big ground and then you're talking about people's private security especially as americans for me who comes into this country as an immigrant for americans who have always had this opportunity of true freedom in a sense freedom to bear arms and everything not just from the sporting factor but the, the self-defense and those things. And then, obviously, there's be more of a desire to kind of just say, well, you know what? We have a lot of atrocities being committed, not only by the crime and the felonies and so forth, but all these mistakes that are happening with children. And then, you know, I mean, it's just it's a big, huge, huge ball of wax. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself going down a, a, a tremendous number of rabbit trails. And so, uh, it, it, but it lacks no, it lacks no. Uh, in other words, there's always a great opportunity to have conversations. Sometimes those dialogues are very uh, endless and have no true value. But nonetheless, <laughs> it creates very heated dialogue when you have this topic at hand. Uh, heated dialogue, Zeke, might be the understatement of the year, but I know that you always try to hit it on the head, but I think uh, you may have understated it for our listeners this morning. Now, before we get uh, to our special guest, Donald C. Mann, a former weapons expert, why don't we talk a little bit about how our fans out there can influence the direction of motivation with a purpose in their own very positive way as they help us out with a very unique survey that we are in the midst of right now. Always, we have to keep reminding you as our fans to please continue to go out there and fill out our survey that we are conducting right at this point in time to enhance the show, to create a better product for you, to make sure that we are touching on topics that really matter to you. And the way we can learn that, the way we can do that and keep that at a, at a high level is by knowing exactly who are. And so more and more, we ask you, uh, we in the next, last couple of weeks and so on, we'll continue to do for a while here to please visit our site at talkzone.com, the motivation on the talk channel uh, and make sure to complete our survey it is right is in a banner post right at the top of the page you can't miss it also uh, you will see various posts at our Facebook page and other social media sites but please we need you to kind of complete these uh, not kind of but do please complete these surveys uh, there are some prizes in the works for uh, different levels of who uh, when we as we go through this process of people who have answered the surveys and we'll be, we'd love to send you a copy a free copy of my, my book the firstbornson.com also an audio uh, CD as well to go along with that in one of my various topics which I handle things like is your family name a recognizable brand or we talk about for young uh, teenagers if you have teenage children or young adults what about choice and the importance of an acronym of, of the word choice that we share all designed to generate and, 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 and really motivate you to building strong and healthy family and most importantly a multi-generational family legacy. So, but please complete the survey again at talkzone.com go to our Facebook page you see the survey there and uh, we would love to hear from you and make sure that we really cater to you the best way we can on motivation with the purpose you are why we're here. Excellent job, Ze excellent job, Zeke, of uh, selling your selling your book there. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I would recommend your book before I recommended any other book that I'm currently reading now. It's a great read and a great prize for our listeners. Um, 
So we really do need your input to help with the future success and the current success of Motivation with a Purpose as we strive to help people live and work with purpose on a daily basis. And right now we are waiting for our... Very special guest, Donald C. Mann, a former weapons expert, to come on the line with us and get our conversation started. Uh, Zeke, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share at this point in time as we get ready for our conversation, our conversation today? Well, we, we can, we can probably start by, you know, just kind of talking a little bit of, uh, I mean, in, Especially as an American, maybe if I, if I was to pose a question back to you, in your opinion, why do you think Americans appreciate that right to bear arms? Well, I think that the right to bear arms, uh, you know, goes back to our con- our Constitution, obviously, talking about mm-hmm. um, our you know well regulated well regulated militia and the the idea that we need to be able to defend our we need to be able to defend ourselves this country was born out of a situation of being able to defend itself because when we declared our independence from england uh that was met with uh let's say some very stern opposition like mm-hmm. uh basically what are you doing you cannot uh you know you can't do that. Uh, you are a part of England, and uh, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it's not easy to forget, and it shouldn't be something that we forget, forget our roots and forget how this, how this country was formed. And as you, you know, you brought up earlier, you have some personal experience uh, with the, uh, with violence and uh, gun violence in particular, um, but those are not necessarily one and the same. Right. You know, those are all different. Those are all different issues. And I and I think to talk about you know to talk about one extreme to talk about one extreme and saying if we had no saying if we had no guns there would be no there would a lot of these problems would uh, dissipate and uh, disappear. Right. Um, I think once again that is an that is an extreme that is an extreme view. But I, the first thought that comes to mind for me that would be like saying there would be no drunk driving if we didn't have any cars. <laughs> you know, I think I think that we would have. I mean, we would still have the, we would still have uh, a problem. The effects of drunkenness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the effects of the effects of drunkenness would still would still exist. It is it is just acceptable. Let's put it this way: acceptable in a lot of people's minds to get behind the wheel of a car and drink and drive. Because they think they can get home, and they think that that you know will not happen to them, and I th- yeah. and I think one of our, and I think there is a correlation there with uh, 
gun control and gun control and violence and all these things. And that is that I think we have a misplaced conception of who we really are. I think we basically think of ourselves as good, but the Bible uh, tells us that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so that that our nature, by nature, is not necessarily good, and unless we have a transform a transformation that is enabled by God to change the heart of man and to change man's attitude toward his fellow man and all of society things are not going things are not going to change and unless you ma- you make a fundamental shift in what you believe about yourself and others there isn't going to be a change in your life or anyone else's life because remember in biblical times they had no guns but they had a lot of violence oh yeah yeah that's, I, I think you, you're nailing the head, you know, very much uh, and very accurate with this because the word I kept as you were speaking there as we dialogue about this topic and wait for our guest uh, is responsibility. Responsibility. You know, when the, when this nation, even when you talk from the beginning of America, and I will I will try to segue here at that conversation right into the whole, my whole ex, part of my experience as well, but when you talk about the beginning of America, you talked about even with, in the midst of, in the, in the midst of, uh, the facing civil war and everything else and, and what was going on, you know, the red coats or what have you, you were talking about people who had the use of, of arms, of guns, what have you, anything of that nature in a responsible manner. Uh, there wasn't a desire just to go out there and, and be reckless and harm people uh we who drive cars and have the right to maintain our licenses the reason that we can have those rights to maintain or that 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 privilege of maintaining our licenses because we are we choose to be responsible on the road we we choose to be attentive uh it doesn't mean that there aren't times that we lose control here or we are just a phone call and maybe we can look at it and hopefully we don't answer it but thanks for the new laws of having a headset that allows us to kind of uh, uh, be able to maintain our responsibility in the process of uh, our driving and so forth. But the word again comes back to responsibility in that when we see an opportunity misuse of guns, knives, rocks, uh, sticks, what have you, is because someone has chosen to express the irresponsibility that they possess by using those items. It is not the items that are the issues. It is. It, it comes down to the people that are the issue, the, the irresponsible parties that are wielding and those, those weapons or what have you. And, and so, as we look at all this this, this conversation, you know, I, I yes, when, I'm, when, when you had a people who organized this country and give the rights to bear arms, noting that the majority of the masses were people who are responsible in their behavior and would never choose to use those arms to attack or hurt another person, it is quite clear. Now, if our society continues to derail itself to where we have now people who are repeatedly, and there's a growing mass of people who are irresponsible, whether it's a gun or a knife or what have you, they're irresponsible in how they handle themselves, then we start to see the reason why there must be an extra emphasis on laws that re- that are uh, uh, chastising us, in, 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 uh, and, and then we have these discussions, these heated discussions about who has a right 
arm or not. The same with what happened in Liberia. When, you know, my dad has been an avid hunter for all his life, Rich. Avid hunter. And he had him a, a gun in the home. As a matter of fact, if I can tell you honestly, that gun was never in a safe, locked away. Um, us kids all grew up right around that gun. We knew exactly what the gun was. The gun was in his bedroom behind the, the door. And whenever you walked in his bedroom, you could literally turn around, reach behind the door, and grab the gun. But that was a, my dad was, and my mom were very responsible saying, look, that is not a toy. Never touch that. Don't play with that. And my, it's not like we didn't see it. My dad, besides just hunting very frequently, brought the gun out every day, or not every day, or every weekend, to clean his gun. And so we saw it a lot. But there was nothing in us that said, hey, go touch that gun, especially when my dad and mom had been very, very uh, clear and responsible. That is not a toy. And they were very... Uh, matter of fact, in their instructions to us. So, I saw and had a gun in my home all my life. Never thought it was a bad item. Never thought it was a reason to use it to go do something ill-fitting to someone else. Uh, saw my dad hunt and bring back good meat that we all enjoyed. And when I became an older teenage boy, about mid to late teenage years, he allowed me to go hunt some pigeons and some squirrels and everything with, with his gun. But, when the Civil War came, all of a sudden we had this massive irresponsibility in the use of arms now by people to, uh, who, are, who, are, who are all designed to hurt others in other human beings. So that changed the whole context of bearing arms in that society, in that environment. All right? And oh, that's it became a, a very, Go on, go on. And that's a great way, my friend, to jump off to our guest, uh, Donald C. Mann. He is a former research scientist in explosives and ordnance. He worked on the guns for the Air Force A-10 Warthog aircraft, uh, the Bushmaster 25-millimeter main gun for the Army's Bradley fighting vehicle, and the 102-millimeter cannon for the Abrams tank. His latest book is entitled, Okay, God, Now What? activating his ancient secrets for success. And Don Mann joins us right now on Motivation with a Purpose as we discuss the very important topic of gun control and whether it works, and does gun control really solve the violence in our society. Don, good morning, and thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I look forward to it. Thanks a lot. Don, let's get right to it. Why doesn't gun control in your mind uh, stop gun problems and what is uh, missing in the debate uh, first of all the the whole discussion on gun control assumes that you could have a law and someone to enforce that law 24 7 so the the gun control debate is almost equivalent to trying to control knives so in order to have knives under control you would need a policeman in every home where there's a kitchen and following every kid that's got a pocket knife. Then you could have knife control along with gun control. Same mentality required. Well, there, come on, Don. I'm to be, to be a little sly here. I mean, that sounds like uh, job security. I could, get a, I could get a couple of jobs just following a couple of kitchens around, wouldn't I? That's, that's you know, if, if, that's, if that's the mentality, that's exactly where it, where it leads to. It, uh, you know, this country was started by people who hunted every day. Uh, I heard you talking earlier, and, and yes, I hunted as a kid. Every day, uh, weapons weren't a problem. Uh, the whole topic of gun control is, is takes the issue of uh, individual responsibility totally away and tries to make a law for it. It doesn't work. It's not possible. The missing item in the whole discussion is how to make individuals who are strong in moral character and fiber and good judgment and wisdom so they can do what our 
our ancestors shoot my dad. I did. What did we do as a kid? Walk around with guns and not be a problem. Okay, Don. What do you say, what do you say to the person who who looks at the Constitution and says that the Constitution talks about a well-regulated militia to have guns, but doesn't include the personal right of an individual like myself or Zeke to have our own weapon if we choose to. What would you say to them? Well, I would say that the uh, Constitution is the way it's described. What you've just described to me is not the way I was taught what the Constitution says. It's the right to bear arms, which is different than a well-regulated militia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, right. wh- so, so why? Uh, because that's the that's the argument that I hear so often when you bring up that very succinct and very obvious point. Is at least is the way I'm looking at it when. Uh, people object to having to people having guns personally. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth, and uh, and it's just uh, let's put it this way: uh, mind-boggling to me that there can be two so divergent uh, points of view on that point if the Constitution is that clear. Uh, can you give me some insight on why that may be the case? Well, I mean, you're, you know, when you talk about the Constitution is so exactly that clear, uh, you take the discussion of uh, church and state. The purpose of the government is so that the church can function, not so the church can't function. But we've taken that and turned it around so that somehow church is no longer involved in citizenry. And the whole basis of the Constitution was based on the fact that people are churchgoers and church involvement in that process. When you have people trying to pick pieces out of an argument to go present a singular point of view that isn't supported by all the other documents, but making a contention on that one, then you're going to have a lot of debate, not because the facts aren't there, it's because they don't want to know and recognize the facts. Look, the police a long time ago, the taxpayers decided a long time ago, we weren't going to stop crime, because what stops crime is a policeman on every corner. We decided we weren't going to fund policemen for every corner. Therefore, you don't have a policeman on every corner. Therefore, you have people who are bad people running around, and there's no policeman around. So for individual protection and control, the way that we manage the whole criminal system today demands an armed citizenry. Unless we decide we're going to, well, you talked about job control. We could start with job control for the police. All you got to do is increase their number by what? 100%, 200%, 1,000%, right? And uh, uh, in order to have enough policemen to really do the job. Citizenry works when you have citizens who are morally free agents who know they are responsible. They're accountable at the personal level, at the individual level, and at the God level. You forget any one of those, and then you have mayhem and wantonness going on, which is what we have now. Don, I mean, we're still just trying to get to even just, mel- I mean, wading through the, 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 the confusion of this whole thing about gun control. And while we're here, I want you to address them for me because uh, we, uh, even you have groups that I have that I have supported this gun bill or gun control bill that are gun advocate groups. You know, like, uh, well, I guess they, what is it called? The... Uh, 
CC or KBA or stuff like that, okay, compared to the NRA. I mean, so they are smaller groups, but they're gun control groups, and they are advocating gun control. Why is, this, why is that confusion there as well? I mean, why are people who are gun-bearing, happy gun-bearing you know, people willing to back a bill for gun control? What's the confusion here? Well, I think I, I think the individuals that are that are uh, doing this. First of all, just because you believe in guns or it's safe to carry guns or have have an armed citizenry is different from best ways to manage. But that's always going to be up for debate. What's interesting to me is is that the current laws that are in place would have, from the legal point of view, the laws are already adequate. What's missing is the enforcement of the existing laws that we have. And so writing more laws to do more enforcement when you don't have an enforcement structure in the first place is sort of ridiculous. It makes people feel good. So they want to do something that says we want to have a stronger form form of government. We want the government to write a law and do it. And nobody's thinking past the end of their nose over, okay, how are you going to enforce this stuff? How's it going to work? More with Don Mann on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, yes, indeed. You are here this Friday on TalkZone.com, but you're listening to Motivation with a Purpose. And as always, we have a terrific time here bringing some wonderful topics to you. Today we have as our guest, Mr. Donald C. Mann. He has some great uh, experience and I, I believe a book as well, and in this, and on the subject of uh, of uh, arms and gun control, especially. And we're talking with him this morning to get his ideas, his thoughts, his professionalism on this topic. So hopefully, you can see the value as we communicate with with, with Mr. Mann. Donald, just going back to our conversation, continuing here a little bit. Um, we, uh, why? I want to know what do you think? You, you think it's kind of crazy to have a society in which criminals have guns while the general population doesn't? Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I think, uh, uh, I believe it was a town called, I believe I can say it right, it's Kettlesworth, Georgia, put a law in place that every home had to have at least a shotgun. And when that law got put in place, the criminal rate went to zero in Kettlesworth, Georgia. The uh, citizenry, uh, at the end of the day, there aren't enough police to protect us. There aren't police available 24-7 wherever we are, yet... There are predators in our society who want to do crimes, want to do damage, and we need protection from them. The, uh, since there aren't enough police, that requires an aware and an armed citizenry in the process. That's my opinion. Well, Don, let, 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 let's continue to let's continue to ride out a little bit here, and I, I want to bring some reality check into people as I tell a little bit of my story, my testimony. As you heard, maybe you heard a little bit in the beginning, but. We're talking about here, again, the odds of having criminals, people with wrong and horrible and irresponsible intentions, having arms, whereas those who have chosen to be responsible in their behavior, just in general, not even because of the right to bear arms or having been gun owners, uh, uh, but 
one side has, the other side doesn't. And when you say that, I go back so vividly to having a society back in Liberia, West Africa, that went from a place that was one time called Little America because of the lovely beaches and everything in the west coast of Africa, sunshine, you know, most of the year, all year long, about 80 degrees, 90 degrees, and a little hotter in the summertime. But this wonderful environment that drew nationals from all over the world, especially when we had the U.S. currency as a one-to-one. All of a sudden, that lovely place that I grew up in, that I was born in, flipped within almost overnight in 1989 when we had the criminals with AK-47s walking around that would rape and loot and pillage, and there was no, I mean, and walking around with cans of drugs in their hand, there was no control. <laughs> Is this what you're trying to describe when you try to talk about criminals having arms, whereas the regular, lo- normal, loving citizen who are patriots, true patriots, don't? I mean, help us kind of draw a little bit more contrast in that conversation. Oh, okay. Well, I guess the, the first of all, being an American here, uh, I'm very sorry that you had that experience, although the principle is, is still there, is that the uh, police, the military, weren't adequate to be able to defend the citizenry, and the citizenry didn't have adequate protection for themselves against the kind of people that are running around causing uh, mayhem and terror. And so in the United States, we normally think of a little less severe, but it's still a criminal invading your home, and what do you do under those conditions at the mercy of them? My understanding is, for example, in England, they've taken away all the guns, and now the greatest threat for crime is home break-ins, where they, the criminals just blast through the front door. They know that nobody is there to stop them. The best they're going to have is a knife. And uh, rec- which requires a lot more skill and training to use than a, than a gun does. And so robbery has increased significantly in England because they've taken away the guns, which is a form of gun control. So in terms of, of uh, the fundamental principles of America, America started off with a citizenry who was already armed. The average person in America knew about guns, used guns, worked with guns, and that's the ones who wrote the Constitution because they understood that you couldn't have any kind of invader, whether it's a military invader or a criminal invader, come in easily if the people were armed and capable of handling weapons. So I think the principle hasn't changed, and your experience in Liberia says the same thing. Could it get to be that bad in America? Well, one could debate that it's already that bad in certain places today. So that, yes, and being able to have the citizenry not only aware armed and educated and skilled in their weapons should be part of a, a national program, not something just left individually. Don, how is Barack Obama's leadership style affecting this crucial issue as well as some of the other issues that are on people's minds today? Well, my personal feeling is, is that the style of government of Barack Obama is subtle fear. He continually says, you're in trouble, I have to protect you. Therefore, what I do is going to remove your right to think for yourself and make coherent decisions for yourself. And that that style of government increases the level of fear. It increases the level of fear across all levels of population. And when people get into fear, they can't think well. Their thinking gets very narrow, number one. Number two, continued fear makes your body sicker. You actually worry yourself sick. So the style of government that Mr. Obama is putting in place is, among other things, making the population sicker and thinking they're powerless. You know, I mean, that's 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 true, and that and that's what that's what happens when um, we're talking a little bit earlier. You were nailing the head. I, you're right. I don't. Not that I think 
we are already in that place of what happened in Liberia. But I also remember in the beginning, I told you of a, of a very nice and secure rapidly changed to a place of complete chaos of, and atrocities everywhere. So whether or not we feel like, first of all, that America is not there yet, I th- emphasize that we are on a path that can quickly transform us to a place of that, uh, that lawlessness. And as you talk about this whole thing about the fear of the people as well, you continue to emphasize that same, uh, 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 echo that same co- uh, uh, concern that uh, indeed, we cannot be governed. No one can be governed. No one can live in consistent and constant fear. All it does is promotes more, you know, whether it's in defense that I claim that I act in a certain way, it promotes more illogical behavior than it does pre-logical response to, to, to things that are, we're adverse things that we're faced with. And, and, and so I, I certainly, you know, well, President Obama has has tried the, the way things have been formulated. This discussion is 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 it's only going to continue to lead to a situation where people seem to respond out of fear more than out of confidence, and that's a risky place, isn't it, Don? It is. It's risky at all levels, and the the at the end of the day, each individual, you know, you're accountable uh, for your own life and for that of your family, and. The first one is pretends that we don't live in a world that does have real fears. You know, and it's, well, I just have the government will take care of me, provide an umbrella no matter what. Well, the, as we see now with the structure of uh, what's going on with the Obama administration and the way the finances are being handled, you know, it doesn't take much of a stretch of imagination to suddenly discover that America's dollar goes through the bottom, and all of a sudden we don't have any government to fall back on that has any resources. So there's, there's at the end of the day... You are accountable for yourself, and that's the, the core issue. And, of course, Christianity is the one that, that shows us the most because it says you are accountable and you have the help of the God of the universe to help you. You've got strength to put in your backbone. That's something that nobody else offers to that level, and that, that's the reality of what it takes for each individual. Once you start operating in fear, you don't think anybody can help you. Don, that's interesting that you brought that, you brought that up. Um, how can we get back to the foundations that this country was found that this country was founded on and input those foundations back into this debate about gun control and violence and those two issues put together how do we re-energize this conversation well i think that the way that we re-energize it is to treat is to teach true american history American history is, we're a country founded on Christian principles, people who came to America to make heaven on earth with Jesus Christ. And that was true throughout the revolutionary period and throughout the early parts of our country. So when you talk about getting back to a position, is number one, you cannot only exclude God, you've got to involve Him intensely in the process so that each individual knows they have a a resource of power and justice in their lives and those around them. Then you can then you can talk differently and better about any issue when you have when you're not operating in fear, and so that's the first thing is is to treat history as it really is, not the way it's been rewritten. The number two aspect of it concerning gun control is to recognize the problem isn't the gun; it's the people wielding the guns, and to so start recognizing that that's the core issue, and that 
if you're going to put things into place, then without a doubt, we need to take, as, as uh, President Bush one time said, faith-based works need to become more effective, be more involved in the process. Don, I, I, I've got I've got to applaud you, you there. I, I've got to give you a, a great applause there because uh, what you said a couple of things right now. People, I need to emphasize. People need to get this quite quite clearly. You, the first thing you presented was you said history, and, and I want to just give us a quick flashback. If we go biblical here, scripturally, I want to give us a quick flashback to when Stephen, the stoning of Stephen, and why was Stephen stoned, and how did that all transpire when he was trying to call these spiritual leaders uh, to account. The thing that he did that was most constructive in making sure that he built, uh, in, uh, in essence of teaching them what their legacy was, was he took them back to, hey, you have to know history. And he gave them an, an, an astounding uh, history lesson that made them so angry and so convicted them so much. That is why they stoned Stephen. And we have a community, we have a culture right now that doesn't want to do the work to understand the history behind how we got to where we are as Americans. And so, uh, and so as a result, we find ourselves kind of, again, re- reacting or overreacting. But you I want people to understand the importance of history by giving an analogy of what happened with Stephen in the Bible and how important it was for him to give that information to his people. And, hey, unfortunately for them, they chose the wrong response and stoned him to death. Right. I think, I think and, and that's one of the risks that you take when you start going back and uncovering the facts. Uh, I think the greatest farce that was ever pulled was when we had the uh, Supreme Court talked about the separation between church and state, written by people and used for arguments, people that believed that was the only form of government possible. And yet they selected pieces out, ignored vast amounts of other, to take a point because it was popular with the people they were speaking to. And in our day and age today, we think we can live unaccountable any way we want to. And, And if I'm doing something that's wrong, it only matters to me. Well, the fruit of that is you've got a city of people who are walking around with ideas that think they can do whatever they want to, and some of what they want to do isn't pleasant for other people. Mm-hmm. And, and there isn't any moral restraint on them. And so as a result of that, you have people, number one, who aren't bound by moral restraint, and number two, you don't have people who have effective tools to deal with the soul and spirit of man to be able to heal them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, the net effect of all this is is that the message that Stephen was giving when he was being stoned was, God has always prevailed in sending a messenger to you, and that you have ignored the messenger. So don't ignore him now. And their response was, they ignored the messenger. Well, that's still that message has not changed any. Jesus is still available. He's still here. He still works through people. And the truth of the Bible is what produces real success. Ladies and gentlemen, what a tremendous conversation with Donald Mann this morning as we talk about gun control. But look, it's not just about, hey, who has a pistol, who has a rifle. We're talking about the essence of why gun control is important. We're talking about the historical matters that impact us most of all. So please, we'll take a quick break here on Motivation with the Purpose, but come back after the break as we go continue our conversation with Donald Mann and talk more about gun control in America. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. 
Welcome back to our conversation on motivation with a purpose about gun control and violence in today's society with our very special guest, Donald Seaman, the author of Okay, God, Now What? Activating His Ancient Secrets for Success. He is our very special guest today, and Don, I think this would be a perfect time since our conversation has drifted this has drifted this way and been aimed this way to talk about your book and the success principles that you br- bring out in your book that are related to, de- to today's topic. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, the the way that the book came about was okay. God, now what? Was that uh, I was actually a, a a president in a corporation, and I went into one day and to, my, to work and uh, talked to my boss. And when I came out of there, I was pale. And as I came out of there, another guy came up to me, another vice president, and he said, better men than you have tried to turn that tent, that plant around. Good luck. And so that was the, uh, the fruit of it. I was involved in turning around a technical business, high technology, where the problem was all scientists and engineers, and being able to hire and fire anybody didn't make any difference because the only people on the planet who understood the technology were those guys at that plant. So I had to get okay. them out of fear and get them into producing creative solutions to a problem. And that problem, tens of thousands of people's jobs depended upon solving this problem. This wasn't just a little thing in the corner. This was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don, how do people's thoughts, uh, how is that the real cause of violence? And, and what can we do to change that in relation well, to the topic we're discussing today? Everything that you do, psychology and science have discovered that you operate 95% out of your subconscious mind. Even though you you aren't aware of it, that's what's called subconscious, you're not unaware of it. And so that everything you do is driven by habit. So when people act in violence, they've been already thinking in violence is the answer beforehand. And they've been doing it for months and years, not just moment by moment. And so that if you're going to talk about getting people turned around from any kind of destructive solution, and violence is usually a fear response, not always, but a fear response. I mean, the policemen, when they, when they solve their job, it's a considered opinion on how to do things. But at the end of the day, your behaviors are controlled by your habits. Your habits are controlled by what you've been thinking on in the past. So if you want to change your current behaviors to more successful ones, you have to change what you're thinking on, and it takes time. As, as you say that, you know, um, <laughs> I, I've heard, I, I think the, the statement is that, um, uh, what is it, a wasted mind, it's, a hard, it's something about, about having a wasted mind, uh, it, it's, it's a tough thing, it's, it's, oh, it's a kind of a waste, anyway. The fact that I'm trying to get to here is that we are more and more, because of our approach to parenting, our approach to uh, material wealth, our approach to so many things, we are more and more developing a litany, a, a mass amount of young people who have, you know, not just a moral fiber, but their minds are wasted on the wrong, the wrong things, the wrong sources of, of human development. And, you know, I mean... How can we really fix this problem when we seem to be developing more at a higher rate? People that could care less about these kind of uh, really life-changing and life-impacting discussions as to more of my selfish own happiness. Well, at the end of the, at the end of the day, 
you can't pretend there is no God, and you cannot pretend that God is not involved in the affairs of men today. That's number one. Number two, you can create an environment, a positive, success-oriented environment, that will take people forward in terms of what they can do at the human level. But it won't give you the supernatural power God makes available to us and the supernatural wisdom God gives available to us. So that the net effect of all that is is that you create a positive environment, a success-oriented environment, and that's something that's not happening today in our culture. It's the opposite of that. Kids are buried in... uh, disenfranchisement from society and culture, no value, no hope. Suicide represents the fact that they have no future, no desire for the future, don't see how they fit into making the world a better place or having a life of value. All of those things are represented by acts of violence just to say we want to change something and we're just going to destroy is the answer rather than build. Okay, Don, give us two principles that we can do on a daily basis to start creating that environment specifically. What could Zeke and I do today as we start out on this new path that you're talking about in your latest book to change things around? Two specific things. The the simplest specific thing you could do is my website is called, by the title of the book, OKGodNowWhat.com. You could go to that website right now and download a list of, of 10 affirmations that you could start doing that would start to reprogram your mind with your identity in God, your identity in Christ, and the resources you have available to you to start changing the way you approach every problem in life. So that's something you could do right now. The affirmations on that list take about three to five minutes to say. There's actually a lot more required for success, as if everything requires more diligence for greater success. But you could start right now with these ten affirmations, start working with them. They're all fit on one sheet of paper, and start doing a daily program to put things in your mind that gives you a resource base for success in every area of life. Don, what are your thoughts on the Zimmerman verdict? Well, I think the Zimmerman verdict was made by citizens who made an intelligent decision. Uh, I don't have any problem with the verdict. The way that people responded, they didn't like the answer. And that tells me there are a lot of people out there who were looking for a different answer because they have a different agenda they want to put forward, and their agenda is based on fear with no way to build reconciliation or creativity in the process. Don, um... I, I, I mean, I'm going to kind of thread light on that. I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't spent a lot of time reading through the whole Zimmerman verdict and how it came down. Um, and so maybe Rich can bring that up in a little bit more if he has a little bit more to ask about it. But yes, where I want to, I want to kind of, uh, I, I spend some, uh, a lot of my time too, uh, as you do, obviously, talking to, to families and talking to individuals and so forth and focus on the importance as you were talking about giving some point of view, you talk about the list on your website that people can go and download and uh, start some affirmation right there but I spent a lot of time talking about multi-generational family legacy and and I had to want to teach uh, people to not just you know put I mean a list is great an affirmation a right of affirmation and so forth but I think the problem really Thinking that this is something that we can solve maybe in about the next uh, 
10 months, 2 years, whatever. I want to make sure that we are starting to put in the greater groundwork of changing the generation by encouraging more parents to kind of go back to the base of understanding the importance of multi-generational family. So if we are if we are tasked with the responsibility right now as young people, rich myself, I mean, you may have some ch- some children as well, if we are tasked with the responsibility of knowing that, we must deliberately start to work right now. We have no no uh, options but to work to teach our dependents to live much better than we do, not just because of material wealth, but because of morality and other things that are important to us, cultural awareness. If we can start to really go back to honing those skills to, to teach our people from a legacy standpoint not some for the next generation, just our children, but our great-grandchildren even, and we're designing to do so, that we can probably salvage this situation. What do you think when we talk about multi-generational family legacy and its importance in what you're talking about concerning gun control and much more? Well, I think it's, I think it's simply put this way. The Scripture says that we are destroyed by lack of knowledge. And because you have, directed, have rejected knowledge, I will reject you. I was trained as a scientist, and I was understand the principles why things work. And no matter how many ways I want to do it, I cannot turn a donut into a racehorse. Okay? So that I need to understand that there are limitations that I'm working with, and that if I want to get the program that survives, my, my generations need to have first their foot directly squarely planted under the gospel of Jesus Christ, Number one, number two, to gather information from this world to make this world a better place and keep it going that way. What we have lost in our culture today is any kind of even public discussion about God and what the Scripture says, much less any public discussion about the relationship with Jesus Christ, who is still alive and still real. So it's all put in the category of fantasy. And so the worst thing you can leave as a multi-generational heritage is that God is not involved, God doesn't care, and God can't be reached. Don, how does a person uh, begin that conversation on these complex issues with another issues with another person? Because Zeke and I, uh, we both have faith in Christ, and we have both trusted Christ, and we are going down that path with you. How do we interject in an appropriate way, Christ? into these very important subjects because that's what I hear you that's what I hear you telling us to do to create that foundation so that we can have some substantive conversations about these issues based on the truth. Okay, that's a rather radical question from my point of view. Let me give you an example of what happens with people who work with the program I have in the book. Young people who get hold of that book get mesmerized by the fact that they can have God work through them. When they then walk up to their fellow friends who are sick and lay hands on them and command them to be healed in the name of Jesus and see them get healed, they get turned on to a different way of life. When they pray about various problems and see answers that are supernatural answers come, then they get turned on to a different way of life. So from your perspective, when I try to introduce a Christian thought, that's one thing. When Jesus walks into the discussion in his presence, there's another party involved in the discussion. That's a different Amen. Okay, so that what we have seen is is that we've had a lady, for example, who was in clinical depression, addicted to drugs, got hold of the book, started to read it. Her name is Linda. She lives down south of Washington, D.C. Inside of six months, she was off of drugs and free, and she claims every bit of it was because she started to do the program in the book, Okay, God, Now What? 
So that's the answer. I've, you know, in my experience, I've been involved in designing weapons of mass disruption, whip, military weapons, work with individuals, work with business problems, difficult of all kinds of cultures. And the issue is, what is the self-identity of the individual that you're dealing with? This greatest self-identity we have available to us is the one that Jesus Christ went to such great price to give to us, but very few people obviously don't know how to work with because the Scripture makes it plain. If you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And frankly, we don't see much of that. Don, Don, we've got about a minute here or so, but I want you to wrap us up on this question here. People, you just mentioned that you work as a, as a scientist, you know, in weapons of mass destruction. You work on the, the A-10 Warhawk, you know, those kind of things. And when people hear of your stature, you know, the kind of things if you worked in for the military and so forth, they think, well, he's just another, he just, he just enjoys killing people. That's why, you know, he, he's all about gun control because of this. When, in all of that, you know, that uh, understanding of your stature and where you've been, where your life has been, Yet and still, we are talking about gun control, not just as the issue of the weapon that, in that, is that, that, that individual is wielding, but it's a greater emphasis on why we should focus on gun control. And can you summarize our show in a way that brings all of your experience back to the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the human being, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We, we need laws that are fair and just, that work for good principles and values, but if you don't have good people operating those laws and enforcing those laws, it doesn't matter what the laws are. So that the net effect is, is that if you as an individual, if your structure isn't built on the identity God gave you through Jesus Christ, I don't care how passionate you are, how involved you are in it, it won't work, it won't produce the results that you want, and the legacy that you'll leave behind is not what you'll be proud of on the Day of Judgment. That's an excellent way to sum up the show, Don. We thank you for your time, and we will definitely have you on again. We appreciate your input on these very important issues. Thanks for joining us on Motivation with a Purpose. Oh, thank you very much. Again, the website is okgodnowwhat.com. Thank you, Don. Zeke, another fascinating show. And I think we found a very interesting way to tie all these together today, my friend. I am with you. I mean, we have had a very knowledgeable guest who is not only knowledgeable but passionate about what he's talking about, has the great credentials to talk about this subject matter, and obviously loves God as much as we do. Amen. Amen. And in closing moments, Zeke, tell us about this audience survey one more time right here on Motivation with a Purpose. Yes, please. Quickly, go, please, go right now to TalkZone.com, the Motivation with a Purpose show page, and please... Right below our images, you see the survey banner. Click on that. It's a quick survey, less than two minutes to get it completed. We want to know who you are. You are listening. We want to know the nature of people that we are serving. We want to make this show even better for you to have more Donald Mann and even better, you know, uh, conversations about our lives and our culture and our futures. So help us out so that we can help you. For Zeke Bambolo, I'm Rich Hallstrom inviting you to join us next week for another exciting episode of Motivation with a Purpose right here on TalkZone.com.